Welcome back, everyone. This is Thinking Out Loud podcast. I'm with your co-host, Ben. Um, uh, obviously, Jermaine isn't here today, so I'm going to take over for today. Um, so, yeah, we have our special guest, Vinus. Nice to meet you, Vine. Hello. Thank you for Thank coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. And um, just to talk about your story. So you said that you went through like a, a traumatic brain um, injury. So what was um, the, what was the experience like? If you don't mind telling the audience. Yeah, yeah, of course. So obviously, my name is Ryan Nurse. Uh, I am a traumatic brain injury survivor who has also suffered from and overcome depression. So just over nine years ago now, I was attacked on the way home from a nightclub yeah. and there was no signs of, uh, say, trauma at all. There was no blood or bruising. Um, I managed to get a lift home. I went to bed as usual. And the next morning, my parents couldn't wake me up. So they obviously feared the worst and called an ambulance. Uh, I was rushed to hospital. We had to go in for an emergency brain operation because I had a fractured skull. I had a blood clot due to a bleed on the brain and I had to be put into an induced coma. So obviously my parents were gutted and scared, worried. Um, and that evening, once my parents finally got to see me, they were told that I probably wouldn't make it through the night because I was on the life support machine and obviously unconscious, in a coma. Um, and the injuries I sustained were so bad. Um, yeah, the specialist was saying to my parents that I'd never come back from this. Um, but again, as much as my parents were upset, they had to keep hope and pray for the best. And about three days in, there was no signs of improvement at all. And on the, on the third day, a specialist gathered my parents and my loved ones. And they actually told my parents they would advise them to switch the life support machine off because there was zero brain activity. And I wasn't making any response at all. Yeah. Um, but there and then, my dad stepped up and my dad ultimately saved my life because my dad said to the specialist, like, no, the machine's not getting turned off. Um, Ryan takes time to, to come to do his own things. Like, he's going to take time, so just give him some time. And thankfully, that my dad done that. They did keep the machine on. Um, and maybe about a week later, I started to respond to the point where they were getting ready to wake me up. But again, the specialist said to my parents that if I ever survive, if I do come round, um, I'd never walk again, I'd never talk again, and I'd be in a vegetative state for the rest of my life. So again, my parents just kept up that hope and they tried to take me off or reduce the sedation for the coma. Uh, the first time they had to put me back into a coma because I wasn't breathing on my own. Um, then I think about a day later, they'd done the same again. But this time I did start responding. I, I did start breathing on my own, which was obviously amazing for everyone. And yeah, before you know it, I was I was awake. Um, the first time I remember waking up, I did actually suffer an out-of-body experience when in a coma. Um, I won't go into it too much because I could speak for ages about this. But yeah, well, yes. um, yeah I, basically, I basically saw myself through the eyes of, what I honestly believe was my creator and I was watching myself and oh, it was a crazy experience. But yeah, when I first woke up in that intensive care unit on my own and realised like, that experience that I had 
was actually real and I was actually living that. Um, yeah, it was, it was hard to digest, but I did. It all sort of come flooding back. And especially when I looked down at myself, I saw I had a tracheostomy in my throat. Um, I had pads all on me. Like, I don't even know what they are, little pads on me. I had needles in my arms. And yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite scary to see as well. Um, and before you know it, yeah, I had next week or so. Um, it got to the point where I was walking on a Zimmer frame and the first time I ever walked was literally about 10 steps across the hospital ward mm. um, where obviously I went to the toilet on my own for the first time too. And when I was in the, when I was in the toilet, I remember when I was washing my hands, it was almost like someone was staring at me. But obviously it was just a brick, uh, like a wall in front of me. And when I actually looked up, it was the mirror. And it's the first time I've seen myself in the mirror and I cried my eyes out because like half of my head was shaved off. I'd stapled the whole way down my head. Uh, my left eye was looking upwards. Um, and in all honesty, I didn't, I didn't, I looked in the mirror. I didn't actually realise what I was looking at. I couldn't, normally when you look in the mirror, right, you see yourself. Yeah, I didn't see yeah, myself. Yeah. So it, it was a really scary experience. I did. I cried my eyes out for probably 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, to skip over that, I guess, I did start to learn to walk and talk, which was amazing. Got to the point where they sent me home, uh, spent Christmas with my loved ones, and yeah, obviously had to make a slow recovery. Um, my short-term memory loss and even my my energy levels as well was really bad, and this went on for years. To be fair, energy I'd, I'd fall asleep anywhere, yes. and also uh, we could have we could be having a conversation like this, and I'll just forget completely what I'm talking about. So. That was the whole hospital experience. But if you want, I can go on to the depression that started, yeah. obviously, only just recently. Yeah, so I just wanted to ask, you know, when you went through the coma, was it kind of like a, a near-death experience? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. That's what they call it, obviously, a near-death experience. So, yeah, whilst in a coma, um, like you, you see all this stuff. I've, I've seen it on TV and stuff when I was a kid. And yeah. it's how, how you see all these bright lights and you go to, I don't know, man, but I know exactly what I saw. And I'll go on to speaking about that a little bit later and what I'm doing with that. But yeah, I, I saw some, I'd say, crazy stuff. And it was so real as well. Like I could honestly make a movie about it because I remember everything exact. And yeah, it was like I was living it. It was, it was, it was mad. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy, man. So, would you want to get and um, talk more in, about your depression? If you want to go a bit more, in yeah, detail yeah, sure. About how, um, how you, yeah, of course. Got it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um. So soon after my say my brain injury, yeah. um. Yeah, I'd have, say get back into going to work again, and I went to finish my college, etc. Um, but only just a few months after say coming out of hospital. Um, I I soon met, which is now my ex partner. Yeah. And at the time, it was yeah, brilliant, and fantastic, like someone completely different to say what I'd normally do. And yeah, she introduced me to world travel because I'd never been abroad before. I met her, and oh yeah, it was it was it was amazing. And again, long story short, we we basically spent six and a half years together in a relationship. Obviously, um, bought our own house traveled a well we went to multiple destinations each year yeah. um up until 
uh, November 2018, uh, we just got back from Miami. And literally, it was like the day after we got back, she, she just told me, like, we need to stop spending as much time with each other. And for being with someone that long, like, we literally lived in each other's pockets. And I thought, like, this, something's not right here. Yeah. Um, as hard as it was, I, I, yeah, I, I gave her the time that she, uh, the time and the space and everything she was asking for. Um, but the more I sort of give her space, the more we just distance apart. Like, we was living with each other for quite a while, making things like amicable. Um, it was it was horrible for me, especially because um, yeah. I honestly thought we were just going to get back together after like a month or two. Um, but that wasn't the case. I, I remember I spent Christmas, say 2018, 19, spent Christmas alone, which was horrible. Uh, spent my birthday alone. Uh, got to the point where uh, in March 2019, we'd both booked a um, a trip to go to Cape, Cape Town, backpacking for two weeks. And she obviously didn't want to go anymore. So I, I sort of plucked up the courage to go on my own, um, which... I now look back and think it was the best thing that I could have done because it just made me realise like my own strength and how yeah how strong I really was. So I did go on that trip, but the weekend before I went, I actually went out with a friend for some food um, to say like good luck on your trip. And um, <laughs> we actually saw my ex partner out like as we go to sit down, she was on the table next to us with another guy, and obviously I, I knew nothing like it. I knew nothing about this. So. Yeah, it was tough, you know, but it was it was the it was what I needed to see, you know, because um, I've I've been making up stories in my head about what's going to happen and, and things like that, but actually seeing it there with my own eyes, um, yeah, it was heartbreaking, but it was also like liberation, like a, a weight off my shoulders too. So yeah, yeah, that was that. Uh, I went to Cape Town, literally a couple of days later, uh, had the best time ever. Uh, met amazing people and took myself outside of my comfort zone done some incredible things um but literally the day that I got back obviously to an empty home now because she, she, my ex-partner wasn't there anymore uh yeah literally as I walked through the door I just started crying because it was just silent it was horrible and yeah I didn't like being alone at the time like now I love being on my own and I love the sound of the silence but during that period there of the relationship breakup I hated being alone and I hated the sound of silence so yeah. I just walked into this uh, it was like hell it was horrible and uh, I'd, yeah I cried um, before you know it I was obviously going to work I wasn't enjoying work I was breaking down at work I stopped going to the gym because um, I was just sick of lying to people I put on a brave face and just lie and say I was okay to people and no one really knew what I was going through because I bottled up all these emotions but then just randomly these bottled up emotions would just burst and come out and it's, I, I used to say it was like a shaken up bottle, a bottle of champagne and it would just burst and it'd go over anyone that was in say that was close to me and yeah it wasn't it wasn't good to bottle up all those emotions um again just to skip over a few things because I could literally speak forever but yeah. um yeah yeah so what happened is I was just going down downhill spiral where it went from not going to the gym to not really eating food. I stopped eating food as much because I didn't want to cook. Um, I was being I was being lazy and I didn't want to get out of bed. And my mental health was suffering. My physical health was suffering. My hygiene was suffering. 
um, to the point where I turned to drinking drugs and never really drink and never do drugs ever. I I turned to drinking drugs because I was so desperate for some external happiness. I was looking at people, say, sniffing cocaine. I thought, they look happy. Why don't I try it? And yeah, as much as it made me happy for maybe an hour, it's not true happiness. Like you're always chasing that happiness. And the next day I just felt 10 times worse. Um, I remember spending hours at night where I wouldn't get, some days I wouldn't literally, I wouldn't sleep a single hour in the night because I was so focused on finding happiness from somewhere else. I used to Google how to be happy and I'd click on every single website and I'd go through it the whole night. Um, Yeah, which was, I look back now and I think happiness, it comes from within, like it's an inside job, right? So um, yeah, got to the point where I took myself to the doctor's uh, prescribed me antidepressants which I didn't take because I thought there would be some sort of other I, I only exhausted all avenues like there's something else that I could try so I went back and I, I managed to get CBT counselling yeah. which again it didn't work for me sadly so I, I lied about that and I pulled out of that early I just pretended that I was better when I wasn't um, so I got myself out of that after maybe a month um, and yeah it did make me feel worse um, and then there was literally one day that just flipped the switch and just changed my mindset completely. And it just started the road to recovery, I guess. And it's just one thought. And yeah, I was sat there at home on a weekend, crying my eyes out as I usually did most weekends, just on my own. And randomly a thought came in my mind and it said, could I live with the thought of dying with regrets? So I just asked myself the question and the answer was obviously no. Um, and there and then I just I just literally flipped my mindset. I don't know what I'd done, but I just started to look back on my life and look at all the things and all the adversity that I've already overcome. Say my brain injury was probably the biggest adversity I will ever face other than death. So I knew that I'd overcome that. So depression, as hard as it was, it was probably worse than the brain injury from my point of view. But I knew I could overcome it because I'd already overcome literally death. Um so I, started, I began to journal, to write things down, to, to, to practice gratitude every day. Um, because one thing I say to a lot of people, like I used to wake up every morning. Cause I didn't want to live at one point. I, I used to wake up and I used to literally wake up and the first thing I'd say in the morning was, fuck you. And I'd just say, fuck you, just to the world. So I didn't want to wake up. But then I flipped that on the switch, literally upside down. And I started to wake up every morning and say, thank you. And I still do it to the day now. I just wake up, first thing I say, open my eyes and I just say thank you because every day that we we, we wake up is a gift you know yeah, and absolutely. now that I look back my my nightmare was somebody else's dream and that just goes to practice gratitude because someone someone in the world was going through a lot worse situation and they would have loved to have been in the position that I was in yeah, that's uh, your story is really, really amazing because obviously I, I heard your story through um, Clubhouse. So we were, we were on that event called um, Free Thought, and obviously yeah. it's just talking about their own experiences with mental health. And obviously, I spoke about my experience with grief and losing um, both my parents before the age of uh, nineteen. So obviously, that led to depression as well, and um, obviously. I couldn't really live with myself around the time. So it happened um, six years ago. So that was a really, really dark um, day for me. Um, I kind of lost my character, 
myself, who I am as a person. And I, I didn't really take mental health seriously, but I realized mental health is really important in everything that we do in our lives. Because if our brain isn't right, then or our, you know, if our mental health isn't right, then nothing else is going to be right, if that makes sense. And I think as men, we've just been conditioned to put all things, well, to keep things in. And obviously, I made the same mistake when my mum passed in June 2015 and I, I literally bottled it I didn't let it out but I think that's, pos that's possibly the worst thing that anyone with grief can do is just bottle things up like sometimes you just gotta let it out you know because um, keeping it in does more harm than, than good if that makes sense so, yeah. Totally, totally agree with you. And, yeah, no, thank you, obviously, for sharing that with me again, because I find you inspiring for being, say, vulnerable and showing your authentic self, because vulnerability, to say, as, as what you're saying there about men always feel like they need to be strong and not, not cry or not show emotions at all, but I don't believe that's the case, and I'm sure you don't agree either, because... When, when we're happy, men, women, whoever, when we're happy, we always show people how happy we are, you know? Yeah. Say if we've achieved something, we go and tell everybody. But when we're sad, we just bottle it up. But emotions are there to be... We need to let these emotions out because we can't bottle emotions up because if we, if we do, they will come up at a later date and they will come up worse. Um, so vulnerability, in my eyes is actually a superpower because there is so much strength within being vulnerable and just being your true self, the, the self that you are worried to show other people, but that is you, that is who you are. Um, yeah, so vulnerability for me is an amazing thing and I think that everybody should be vulnerable. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know why with, um, I think when it comes to society, I think they think that men should be, should be strong or that, we shouldn't cry or, you know, it's just, I think society just still has that, that old mindset of, uh, I don't know, typical masculinity or, you know, like I definitely still believe in traditional masculinity, you know, like we still got to work, got to be on, on, um, on our purpose as well. But obviously at the same time, we're still human because we're still going to have emotions even like like women will also have um, emotions, you know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The best things that I have found personally um, in helping me say start the process to overcome say my mental health issues was number one, obviously writing things down because by writing it down, it's tangible, and then you can see what you're dealing with, like. My, my mind, my brain was so bogged up with thoughts. Like there was, it was like my head was pressurized. There was no room for these thoughts to be released. Um, but as soon as I started to think on paper and just write things down, my mind was relieved of that pressure where I could then begin to think positively and think of solutions as well. Um, and then the next step was obviously speaking because again, I, I believe the power of, conversation can literally save lives yeah. yeah absolutely right yeah 
So could you talk about more about um so what after what happened after your um depression? So what did that yeah, yeah. lead to? So that did you find purpose in your um in your life? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. So so when when obviously I said earlier about when I literally flipped my mindset that day, um I used to say that that, that house that I was living in, my old house. Yep. It was almost like a prison. I was living, I was like a prisoner in my own home. Um, and by practicing gratitude, I noticed that just small things I started to attract. I, I become like a magnet. And I started yep. to attract these positive things. And before you know it, it was literally like, a, again, like a flip of a switch. Um, I, got, I got a message or a phone call to say like, that this is your release date. Like, this is when you need to sell the house. The house is going. Yeah. Um, you're moving out date and yeah I just felt like a prisoner that had been given their release date and I just felt so relieved of that pressure again um, and again it was only maybe a, a week or however long it was later um, say to the moving out day uh, I left it all to the last minute I didn't I didn't ask anybody for help when I knew I should have but yeah. I just again just thought I'd be able to do it all on my own um, I was packing up the van till about midnight and I still hadn't got it all done I still had cool. things to take out and I had to be moved out for that obviously that night for the new people to move in the next day so yeah. oh I was rushing and sweating and um yeah once I'd done it I did do it and it was gone gone midnight um obviously I walked around the house and I sort of took everything in and again I practiced gratitude I just said thank you to the house for all of the say the good memories as, as much as there was bad memories there's also a lot of good memories so just said thank you to it. Uh, walked out the door, shut the door, obviously for the last time. Posted the keys back, and I thought, yeah, this is um, this is a new chapter of my life, and all the memories can just stay in that house. Um, I ended up started driving back in the van to my parents, where I obviously am now. And as I'm driving, I, I started to say to myself, like, you know what, like this. Is... At first, I was like, um. I was a bit overwhelmed because I was like, every decision that I make now is for me and me only. I don't have, say, a partner that I'll say, oh, should we do this? Or, you know, it's all, all down to me. And, yeah, it was quite overwhelming. But then as I'm driving down the motorway, I started to say to myself, like, this isn't the ending, this is just the beginning. And I kept repeating that in my mind. And, yeah, even out loud, I started to repeat it out loud. And there and then I just said, I'm going to set myself some sort of goal, like something to look forward to because I love travel so much, I said, I'm going to visit a different country every single month for a complete year. So then, obviously, I'm driving down the lane and I'm, the music's gone on and I'm whacking the steering wheel and I felt so good about myself because ultimately, progression equals happiness. And there and then, I set myself this, this goal. So I knew I was going to be progressing and I felt so happy about myself. Um, so yeah, that, that weekend was my first weekend back in, say, my hometown. And around say people that I used to hang out with like six seven years ago yeah. and I thought I don't want to get back into those old habits of going down your local pub and stuff but why don't I just show my face so I went down to a pub I see a load of friends and people that I knew from school and they're all saying to me like oh you've split up with your partner and you moved home and I'm like yeah and they go so what's your plan I was like well I'm, I'm going to visit a different country every month for a year and they're like, oh, yeah, wicked. So a few people were, like, happy for me. A few people were a bit, bit like, ah, uh, he, he might do. Yeah. Uh, one guy, obviously drunk, 
uh, just randomly said, uh, how, how could a fool with a head like yours travel the world on his own? And I didn't know what to say to that. So oh, I took a step back and I, was, I thought, yeah, <laughs> literally that's what I was like. I didn't know what to say. So I just sort of thought about it. I thought, you know what? So I put, I put my drink down. I said, you know what? I said, I'll show you. I'll show you how I do it. And there and then I'm, I literally just got a taxi home back to my parents, obviously. And um, I just booked a one-way flight to Croatia for like a few days later. I went into work on a Monday and I told my boss that I'm going to Croatia a couple of days' time. And he goes, yeah, go for it. So that that was the start of my trip for every every month for a year, which I stuck to. Uh, I've done about seven months worth of trips, I guess, or whatever it was, up until February 2020, uh, where I went to Rome. Obviously, I knew Corona was just started, but everyone was like saying it wasn't that bad. So I decided to go to Rome. Yeah. Um, I almost got, I guess, I almost got locked in Rome if I wouldn't have left <laughs> that soon. I guess so. Yeah, as soon as I got back from Rome, it was spread all over the TV and all over the news, radio, how bad this Corona was, and yeah, it petrified me. I was, I was scared. Um, I ended up taking a little bit of time off work just to keep me and my loved ones safe at home. Um, and then there and then, I, I noticed that people were doing these say online zooms and facetimes and having like, i don't know like zoom pub quizzes and i don't yeah. know you, you see it i guess so people were doing that and i thought how can i use what i've been through to help other people like in these times of uncertainty because so many people i noticed were sat there and i started to see it on say on social media where people would put up a little post of how they were struggling and they were feeling down and stuff so i thought you know what like i could probably share my story to help others because I, I, that's what I like to do. I like to obviously travel the world, but I love to help other people and I love to see people smile too. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to take a step outside of my comfort zone, become slightly vulnerable and just open up and share how I got over my, my issues and my obstacles. And yeah, as much as it was scary, once I started to do it, I literally take, took that first step. And next thing you know, I'm on lives, I'm doing Instagram lives, I'm putting up, very vulnerable stuff about myself and how I overcome these issues and the feedback I got was incredible and that just built that momentum and the motivation to do more and then every time I sort of thought about um I'm worried or I'm gonna quit or I'm gonna stop doing it just the thought of not sharing it made me feel like I was being a bit selfish by not sharing yeah. what I knew to potentially help other people that was in the same or similar p- position or situation and yeah before you know like I say I started putting out my content uh, amazing feedback and then at the towards the end of, I guess of 2020 I thought because I, I always said to myself and a lot of people said to me too like you could write a book about your life because all the things that I've gone through I've been through so much stuff so I thought you know what I'm going to write a book and I'm currently writing it I'm 80 odd pages in at the minute yeah. And I've titled the book, Could I Live with the Thought of Dying with Regrets? Because that was the thought that literally switched my mindset. Oh, that's absolutely great, Mum. I'm, I'm waiting to read that book when it comes out soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. You. you know, so yeah. So it's crazy how when you go through um, adversity, you go through situations that you think that you couldn't get out. But once you have that belief that, you can do it it starts with your words like because words can also lead to action as well so i think that's the most amazing thing about your story 
and there's people that go through any other like struggles in in life even with COVID I realized people's mental health are really um, struggling at, at the moment and obviously people just need that push you know to get um out of that um out of their comfort zone and into more uh, into reality so I think yeah I think we just need to keep bringing awareness to mental health to being vulnerable and um yeah and and, and just helping other people you know because life is tough you know yeah, yeah, mate, I, I totally agree with what you said there and it almost makes me go back to becoming vulnerable because I, I truly believe like when we do become vulnerable that is when the true healing happens yeah. Like we become vulnerable and open ourselves up but by doing that we start to heal ourselves and again like I can just go back to my situation by me being vulnerable is when I noticed myself I was just healing and I just felt so comfortable sharing my story because at first yeah it made me upset by just speaking about all the stuff that I'd gone through yeah it made me really upset but now I can just talk about it and I'm, I'm feeling like joy and excitement because I know by sharing my story, I can help so many people feel comfortable about opening up and sharing their story and starting to heal themselves. Because like you just said, like throughout this whole lockdown period, there's a lot of people that are suffering obviously from mental health issues. And yeah. there's a lot of mental health issues that are getting raised or brought to the surface that, that maybe people that thought they didn't have. So yeah, this is a great time to, to become vulnerable and just share because the more people speak about it the more we can help each other heal you know yeah definitely man that's absolutely great um so ryan um would you want to leave us with two things to the audience or what are your um advice on how yeah that's, that's a great you? question actually so, so i've got two things actually so yeah. the first thing that i'm going to say is if anybody is suffering don't suffer in silence reach out to somebody sometimes it's not even a family member sometimes it could be a stranger online like myself like you ben just reach out to people that are supporting and um like sharing their mental health stories because straight away you can connect with people and i've connected with so many like-minded individuals just by being vulnerable and opening up so don't feel ashamed just start sharing your story because you will notice yourself healing um so the power of a conversation can work wonders so that's what i'm going to start with for the for the first piece of say wisdom yeah. but the next piece i want to uh, leave you with i've just got to find it yeah. i'm going to read you a quote from my book if it's okay yeah sure man thank you right. here we go so just talking about adversity so this is uh this is i guess a paragraph from my book yeah. it goes like this Adversity can quite often turn out to be a blessing in disguise. From my own experience, I've found that adversity is the prerequisite to growth, success, and true happiness. I believe hidden at the very core of adversity is the key to progression and lifelong happiness. It isn't going to be easy to find this key, but once you have obtained it, it will unlock the barrier to your next level of life. Adversity can turn out to be a gift if we choose to let it be. Oh, that's powerful, man. Thank you. Oh, that's absolutely crazy, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely think 
great, it was really grateful to have you on the, the podcast. And um, could you tell the audience where you can find them on like social media or just, you know, just to keep in Yeah, no, definitely. So, so, yeah, I just want to say thank you for having me on and thank you to everybody that is listening or that is going to listen to this. Obviously, I appreciate you all. Um, so you can catch me on Instagram, which is fool around the world. Um, yeah. That's where I'm most active. Uh, send me a DM and I will get back to you on there. I'm not sure when, but I will definitely get back to you. So feel free to reach out to me if you want to ask any questions at all. Um, and I'm also quite active on YouTube, which again is Fool Around the World, and also TikTok. So yeah, any of those you can catch me on. Oh, um, that's, that's absolutely great, man. Thanks, thanks a lot for coming on the show. And uh, again, so thank you for listening to Thinking Out Loud. Follow us on uh, Instagram at thinking out loud pod underscore. Uh, we've also got a YouTube channel as well. So you can su- subscribe to that as well. Uh, you can. You're, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and yeah, I think that's about it. So yeah, thanks for for being on the show. You know, and hope everyone has a great weekend. <laughs>